Welcome to China EVs and More, where my co-host Lei Sheng and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoy this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li. I am the managing director at Sinoauto Insights, a management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at sinoautoinsights.com, which of course I encourage you all to do. Good afternoon, Lei. Can you please introduce yourself? Good afternoon from my side, and good morning. Good evening, wherever you are. I'm your co-host Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review, and this is episode number eighty-seven. Let's talk Volkswagen Carryad Horizon <laughs> Robotics. Without further ado, <laughs> <laughs> unpack it for us too. What are your thoughts? What surprises you? What didn't surprise you? What's going to happen? <laughs> so this is a、uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,、uh, and and my opinion, because I'm gonna CYA right now. I'm gonna cover my ass. Cover CYA is cover your ass. By the way, if you're, <laughs> you're wondering, because this just came out. We thought we we talked about it last week, but the but we got the wrong H. Right? We thought it was Huawei, and so it's actually Horizon, which makes sense at least from a expertise and portfolio standpoint for Volkswagen because they do not have any. Chip design in house that will allow them to compete in the future, and the trend is OEMs and legacies moving battery,、uh, material science, and battery tech in house as well as chip design. So, from a technical and functional standpoint, it makes sense. But this is really a, a, an unusual move because it's only for the China market. And it is with one of what I would have called China, the Chinese government's like princelings in the chip design space or the AI chip design space. And so now, is the Chinese government government going to still look at Horizon the same way as they are now owned sixty percent by a German company? I don't know. You go ahead. Let me know what you think, because my my opinion might evolve based on what you say. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be clear, that sixty percent is what Carryad owns in the joint venture, but、right. there was a fine print that this was also a investment into Horizon Robotics, but that wasn't revealed. You know, whatever how many percentage. Yes. So that's number one, and then. I think、uh, my opinion is this is one of those the right time, the right place sort of things, and especially you know I was talking to a PR person from Horizon, and she was kind of telling me you know this is a sensitive time, of course,、uh, because of the、um, China U.S. chip restrictions that are going on, which escalated even further this week. Right. So、um, we were looking. Forward to this being announced previously, and on paper, this seemed to be a strong, strong type of partnership. Okay, so you have the largest European automaker, the largest foreign automaker in China, versus、uh, teaming up with one of the, I guess, most promising, most promising, most prominent, most important startup companies. Coming out of China, and、uh, let me emphasize that Horizon is neighbors with Zhongnanhai, right? So <laughs> with the <laughs> with the with the where the Chinese government resides, so it's based in Beijing. So in in actuality, in reality, this is actually a weak versus a strong weak, being Volkswagen's software side of things, and we've. I think we've talked about Volkswagen Carryad and, and Horizon many times on the show, and we dunked on Volkswagen enough that this just felt like I think it was、uh, revealed by Ralph Brandstetter、um, in, in his LinkedIn post that this discussion began in January. So this was in motion well before the 
CEO change. Transition, right. Right. So this is a 10-month, let's say, uh, discussion. And now it's... it's you could probably give um, Wolfenstein uh, credit for this. Sure, sure, sure. And, uh, you know, Horizon Robotics, I would say they are the CATL in the chip uh, autonomous driving computing chip space because... Well, they have the potential because, you know, CATL has, has now become... The 800-pound gorilla horizon is years behind NVIDIA and Qualcomm, right? I mean, now with Volkswagen, it, it essentially is. <laughs> and uh, it, it's like... It one, needs to fulfill its potential. And it's, yeah, it's like one of those things where you head out and you're trying to find a restaurant and you kind of pick and choose. And normally you will probably go into a restaurant where there's a lot of crowd. You see the analogy that I'm trying to... Um, use here and this is the same thing for volkswagen they were shopping and i think over that 10 month period they believed that horizon presented the best opportunity and and the fastest in terms of speed on both the hardware and software side of things so that that's how they ended up uh, choosing them i think that was the and to unpack that even a little bit further lay horizon already counts saic audi uh, byd uh, so so a lot of automotive customers so they do have history in the automotive space recent history with the automotive space horizon does just just to clarify yeah so i mean just just this past year i mean how many announcements have they announced right various strategic investments Liado. you know from um cherry from faw um teaming up with BYD, the auto the l8 the pro version has the journey 5 chip whereas the max version has the nvidia chip <laughs> right so yes. netta the netta u2 that just came out let's be clear because there's you know volkswagen is betting on promise because the level of technology is not there yet, right? The roadmap will be there, or at least points to that direction where they'll be able to compete with the Qualcomm's and NVIDIA's in, in the next several years. But it's still just a promise right now. And I'm in complete agreement. I actually tweeted about it. It, it reeks of, of, of desperation a bit from Volkswagen Group to be doing this. Uh, the 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 last time they had a transaction transaction this large was the investment in Argo, uh, U.S. autonomous vehicle startup years ago that they co-own currently with Ford. Not yeah. co-own, but they've co-invested with with Ford. So we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? The make versus buy decision, right? And they've come to reali the realization Volkswagen Group has. Over the last several months, because outside of 12, 14, 18 months ago, you and I had spoken with Volkswagen people, and they still thought they could do this in-house by themselves. So this realization that they needed to buy, meaning partner or acquire the technology side of things, has, has been a recent uh, turn of events. Yeah, I think regardless, um, China or globally, you always need partnerships on, on this next you know, the second, what we call the second half of the smart EV competition. And the, the fine print, I think, worth mentioning in that uh, presser is, and I quote, integration of numerous functions in one integrated chip intended to increase stability and reduce energy consumption of entire automated systems, allowing for scalable ADAS and AD solutions with differentiating innovation. That that tells me that Horizon brings the goods, but Karyat still might not. Because how do they still become the software side of that? Right? Yeah, I think so. That was the the the, the, the surprising thing is actually, I guess, not many people know that Horizon Robotics is not just a chip company. They are intelligent, the so called intelligent driving solutions company, right. uh, because they all also have the software expertise. And lo localized, focused on China, right? And it so happened that today was that tech summit. I think Volkswagen Group um, posted some uh, stuff, and and Oliver Bluma said, and I quote: "Also, the success will be coming. Now we need to deliver for developing software. Everything is about speed." And I think Volkswagen believes this joint venture with 
Horizon Robotics is going to offer them the best speed, hence the announcement. Let me put my legacy auto hat on. I can't hire Usain Bolt to make things faster for me. (laughs) And the rest of the organization, the policies, the processes, the communication channels, how we think about things stay the same, right? That means that the company needs to get leaner. It needs to throw out most of the processes and policies that are currently associated with ICE product development. You know, that needs to be a wholesale change for all of the brands under the Volkswagen group. It can't just be we acquired 60% of one of the most promising AI chip designers in the world, and we're going to go as fast as they go tomorrow, right? It, it, it is just not going to happen that way. And, you know, the, the geopolitical factor of it, you know, in China for China, you, you got to use just like what happened with the battery cells, right? Yeah, and, and it, it, it points back to multiple foreign automakers coming to the realization that they will not be playing by anyone else's rules, but the Chinese government's rules if they want to stay in China. It points back to, despite GM having invested over a billion dollars, multi-billion dollars now in Cruise, they've also invested $400 million in Momenta here in China. So this this really points back to China for China, like you said, right? Yes, I think the closest comparison of this deal is the GM's investment in Momenta. Right. Similarly. And, uh, you know, by the way, Volkswagen is still working with DJI on some of the ADAS features. So it'll be interesting to see how this will differ. And speaking of Huawei, uh, that's still not, you know, out of play. It's still possible because there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen right now, though. Yeah, right, with this with this third new entrant, right? Yeah, and uh, remember earlier this year we had talked about this that Volkswagen was going to select, let's say, a dozen or so uh, suppliers. Right. Remember that uh, Chinese? Yep. Yeah, Chinese suppliers. So this could be one of those announcements, uh, but this is for China for now. Specifically for China, so and let's let's not forget if I am an automaker that was closely aligned with Horizon from a product planning standpoint. Now, does that relationship die on the vine? And I go out to a Black Sesame. Do I go out to a Inflame? These are other AI chip designers in China that. Because the last thing you want to do if you're a promising automaker is align yourself with a company that's more than half owned by another automaker, your competitor. So these relationships that and, and these customers that we named off earlier about two minutes ago, the Lee Autos, the BYDs, the SAICs, those relationships and customers might die on the vine now because number one, Volkswagen is probably going to suck all the air out of the room and utilize Horizon's resources to its fullest, right? So they're not likely going to have a lot of bandwidth for other customers. And the other customers know that now that there's a new ownership structure, they're probably not going to spend as much time on nurturing these relationships with the current customers, right? So- well, I mean, for Horizon, the more the merrier, right? And from from their point of view, I think they're only a seven-year company. They started in 2015. So how far they've come is nothing short of amazing. I think just over the last year or so, that how, right? And um, they are the Chinese CATL. They are the Chinese NVIDIA, however you want it compare but right they they're, they're going to be a, a company that's going to be reckoned with in, in in this smart side of the game you know i thought so too but again now i wonder what the chinese government's stance is going to be are they going to support them as much and as vigorously as they did as an independent startup right i don't know if 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 they'll f- move their focus onto other independent 
uh, AI chip designers. So I think the jury's still out for me. I, I'm not sure that Horizon is going to get that level of attention, positive attention from the Chinese government moving forward. So yeah, well, so far there, there's in, in Horizon space, there's probably a three or four other competitors, smaller. Uh, Black Sesame being one of them. Um, there's there's few others that that we're gonna see more of in the coming months. You're definitely gonna see and hear more of them because there, like I like we'd mentioned earlier, there are more restrictions now on capital equipment providers, uh, foreign capital equipment providers into Chinese chip designers and fabrication. Uh, shops into China. So, and we're getting to the level of passport holders, right? Where, where they, where their passports are from. Yeah. 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 I, I saw that. Yeah. Even if they, they live and work in China. So, and, and also the huge volumes are at stake for this uh, deal because all of the JVs, um, FAW, SAIC, Volkswagen, Anhui, the Audi, FAW, uh, NEV company, all of the future BV models will be powered by whatever hardware software that this this deal is going to provide. It is going to be the brains. It, these chips are going to be the brains of every single EV built in China. Yeah. So. Yeah. But the I'm still unpacking those new restrictions for some of the capital equipment providers. So when we think of chip design and chip fabrication, there is a lot of IP that is owned by European companies and American companies. So big names like KLA, Lamb Research, they sell equipment, testing equipment, capital equipment, and any fab whether you're in China or Taiwan, you need this equipment to validate the ASICs or the chips or the silicon that you're making. And so if you spend millions and millions of dollars in purchasing capital equipment, there are support individuals that come along with that. And sometimes they actually live and work at your, not literally live, but work at your facility to help manage any quality or any engineering issues. And so there are a number of foreign employees or employees from these capital equipment providers that sit and work at the the, the fab shops for SMIC, for all these other co- Chinese companies. And they've been told basically to not come to work. They can't go to these factories anymore. So there's... And... and it's kind of understated. Uh, some of the folks that I follow on Twitter, we've kind of um, alluded to it, is that there are a lot of ethnically Chinese employees with U.S. passports. Now, what does that what does that mean for them? You know, I think that's kind of one of those gray areas that nobody knows, and they'll be very torn. So. Yes, <laughs> right. And China officially does not recognize dual citizenship. So they turn a blind eye for sure on, on some of that stuff, but it's it, it just seems like these folks are... And, and let, let me assure you that renouncing U.S. citizenship is not easy either. So yeah. even if they wanted to renounce their U.S. citizenship, it would be a long, drawn-out process that involved lawyers. And it wouldn't be cheap. So, but we don't see, we don't, you know, at least I don't see that part of it easing up anytime soon. There's constantly these clouds shrouding on the horizon or black swan events that keep happening. And, uh, right. I think going forward, it's going to continue to be like this for, for some time. Yes. And it's so random because you 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 see the trend moving one way, and then there's these random events like the Goshen investment, like the Volkswagen investment, and then you're like, okay, that now our highway, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that really puts a, a a monkey wrench into things because I was told by some really reliable sources that the German government, the newly uh, elected German government, was 
was going to take a more firm stance towards the Chinese government. So how is that transaction coming off in in Berlin, right? I don't know. Uh, it it'll be interesting to hear in the in the coming months, yeah. Because this won't get final approval until early 2023, so it's not over yet. Yeah, but I think we've we we talked about that as much as we can. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And and yeah, uh, it'll still be some time until we see these solutions actually in Volkswagen's EVs and Audis. Probably in China. So, so there's that saying that I tell my boys, you can talk about it or you can be about it. Bluma's talking about speed, but can he be about it, right? Can Volkswagen Group be about it? Because that's ultimately where the rubber beats the road. Can Volkswagen branded vehicles in China catch up to the Xpungs, to the Netas, to the Aeons, right? Yeah, and, and this is where we probably should go into the sales a little bit because really we i I don't want to go into the numbers uh too much uh, because you can you can find those numbers but I think two numbers stood out for me in September is the cpca retail sales in China not inc- including export of new energy passenger vehicles was over thirty percent the penetration was right. over thirty percent for the first time ever that's one and two in September the entire Chinese brand passenger vehicle market share topped 50%, also for the first time. That's just a monster number, right? Right. So, but the tide is, you, you know, the, the, the purchase tax half off, that's pushing everybody up, including Volkswagen. Yes, it's, it's, it's pulling, pulling sales forward. Yeah. So, but I think those numbers stood out to me more than anything else. And and we're going to end up this year probably very close to 25% penetration. <laughs> so we all agree. I think the general consensus from the Chinese organizations is that Q4 is going to be pretty wild with big, big numbers. Yeah, you just multiply 700,000 units by three and add a little bit more. And you get over yeah. 2 million NEVs. In Q4, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd written well over 1.5 million for Q4, but I'm thinking we're going to get over two million. You, you're, you're no, that's too way too low. <laughs> yeah, I figured, <laughs> but uh, but slow, slower for the Chinese automotive market, and so that's one of the reasons I think we're seeing this mad dash of Chinese EV companies opening facilities and launching vehicles abroad because. They want to keep that pump primed in case the China market slows down at all. So they can push out vehicles and ship vehicles to Europe, to, to Australia, to Singapore, to Japan, to South Korea for BYD 12 countries, right? With a handful of them being in Southeast Asia. Yeah. So, well, slow relatively, let's say from 100% growth to 50% growth, is that slow? Yes, but volume-wise, still huge. Still huge. But again, we're talking from a larger base, so 50% makes a lot of sense, right? Because growing 100% multiple years in a row, that's that would just this, be an insane, this, this insane year, thing. This year, likely, it'll be still another year of 100% growth. Yeah. <laughs> Next year, probably not. But uh, I, It's just hard to fathom, especially during what we saw for the first quarter and a half of the year where plants were down for literally three weeks at a time, right? Yeah. So for them to be able to be so efficient and catch up with production, we can just point back to BYD and, and Tesla being kind of the, the the lead examples of that, right? Yeah. And, and oh, the other, the, the rankings, top two selling SUVs, were the Model Y and Song Plus, and those are <laughs> NEVs. I think Havo H6 was number three or something. So yeah, that's <laughs> you know. So I, I should I should say really quickly I I posted something on Twitter about the ET7 being the eighth most eighth ranked sedan. Give us some time too. <laughs> yeah. No. So you know. 
Uh, they, they were right because, um, you know, we shouldn't be comparing them to the three series and stuff like that. So in the large premium segment, the ET7 is doing okay, but I'm not, I'm not going to give them because they're, they're competing against ice vehicles, right? And I'm not going to give them that. I'm just going to say that the ET7, uh, is doing okay. Uh, it could do better, but let's, Wait till the totality of ET5 ramps and see how all these numbers shake out for Neo. Then, then I'll then I'll evaluate. Looking forward to how ET5 performs if it performs as advertised. So we'll see in, in the next three months. I think it's going to sell like crazy. Yeah. If if and I think that the only way that Neo doesn't get to 10,000 units per month, at least on the ET5, is if they still have operational difficulties. I'm not saying they'll get to 10,000 in October, but they'll need to get to 10,000 in the next couple of months because I think the demand is there. Yeah, because ET5 right now is in a dedicated standalone production facility, right? Yeah, so all they need to do is is make the line move faster. That's it. And they do that by making sure that the parts are coming in on time and the batteries are, the battery supply is, is also coming in and the production volumes that are necessary yeah. to keep the machine moving, right? So, well, anyways, uh, for, for China's NEV this year, just two big numbers to keep in mind is 7 million units, 25% penetration. That's probably a foregone conclusion based on things. I have to pat myself and and you on the back we talked late last year maybe as far back as october of 2021 about how tesla would likely start to see slow down in demand because of no new products right now the western media has picked up on it and all you're seeing are silence from the tesla stands and analysts saying oh man demand is going to Demand is going to fall off a cliff for Tesla, blah, blah, blah. We talked about that a year ago. I think we, we also look at it this way. Tesla is still doing pretty good, but there's other people that are doing even better. So it just all depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I, I'm, still, I'm still impressed with, with Tesla because I, I thought by middle of summer that they would uh, have slowed down a little bit. But I would just say this, that if Elon Musk's famous quote that Prototypes are easy and production is hard. The only two companies that are passing grade on that front are BYD and Tesla. Yes. Right now. There's nobody else. What makes BYD even more impressive than Tesla is that BYD is ramping multiple new products, whereas Tesla is just leaning into two products. So the level of efficiency that Tesla has shown has been amazing, but the level of efficiency on top of the increased complexity at the BYD factories just makes the the degree of difficulty for BYD off the charts, right? Yeah, and, and well, BYD. I mean, while expanding overseas, there's there's not they're not home free, right? We've seen some issues popping up here and there. Yeah, there could be a there could be a stop ship order for BYD Adult Three vehicles in Australia. So. That's a real, real issue. Yeah, and it's all because of some tether in, in the middle back seat, which reportedly, if not done right, would make it a four-seat vehicle rather than a five-seat. That's what I read, yeah. Yes, and Australia is known for having some of the most stringent rules for homologation and safety in the world because that vehicle has passed safety for the UK, I want to say, and Europe. So uh, you, so really quickly, Europe, the UK, Australia, the United States, they all have different standards. Some are similar, some are unique to these markets. And remember that the Auto 3 was designed as a left-hand drive vehicle. So there's probably some issues on the right-hand side. Um, and there's issues with the local requirements from Australia. And if you think about the vehicles and the size of the the streets and the size of the vehicles, then you'll figure out why the United States has 
different safety because there's a freaking SUV right next to you. Almost every car is an SUV, Tahoe, an Expedition, a Lincoln Navigator, an Escalade in the United States. And so the safety standards need to be amped up uh, in the United States versus a, a Europe where a lot of these places, they don't have that many highways and these big SUVs driving next to them. So the stakes are high. And it's not about BYD. It's about China EV Inc. and the reputation. So they need to be extra careful. The BYDs and, and these other ones, especially launching in Europe soon. So, and I have to point out that they picked this partner EV Direct, and EV Direct is effectively a startup. So I think there's some growing pains with with yeah. that relationship as well. So. Let's talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> Is that what you had in mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you watch the event. I, I only watch the highlights. Yeah. So please detail for us your highs, lows, and your takeaways. To be honest, this is an awesome car. Like technology-wise, safety, sustainability, everything about the Postar brand, the design, features, how it looks. It just like, I mean, I, I would want it <laughs> until the price comes out. <laughs> so it was, ooh, ah, and then, oh. <laughs> that's, that's basically the, 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 you know, my reaction. Um, and, and even higher pricing in China when the car is made in China. <laughs> that, that's kind of, a, that, that's the head scratcher for me because in the United States, pricing kind of, establishes positioning a little bit or at least want, it, it wants to establish positioning in the market so 84,000 yeah so be it they said that they're going to compete against the Cayenne so that was no surprise but wow the china price $125,000 Taikuela. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted that so but uh you know I'm of a different sound and mind lay I like it yeah, I, I like it too. But there's a reason why Volvo didn't sell well. I think the interior is like nice, but it needs to be, it's super clean, but it's too simple for me, right? I just, because if, if, if I want simple interior, I'll just get a Model Y because it looks, eh, you know, the, 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 if you squint, it kind of looks like a, a Fisker Ocean a little bit. You know, and then we saw the front end. She do. Uh, a f- friend <laughs> tweeted what friend of uh, of the sh- the show tweeted that yeah, it, it the front end looks a little bit like Gidu Auto, uh, the Gidu Robo, the Robo One. So no, I mean, I I think the design is pretty original. I, I liked it, but yeah, I just it's a little bit too Scandinavian contemporary for me at that price point. Right, because the Polestar Two is a forty-eight thousand dollar car. So, can I accept a bit more Scandinavian design into a fifty thousand dollar car? Yes, but when we're pushing towards ninety grand, I need to see some. I just need to see more, right? It because it, the Volvo XC ninety, the interior looks great to me, but it, it it's more substantial than the Polestar Three. I think, right? Yeah, in terms of cadence, I just thought from growing from 29,000 units last year to 290,000 in 2025, you need a volume driver, which let's say it could be a three or four, but you need a right-sized SUV and right-priced SUV to drive that volume. and for, Especially for the U.S. market. Right. So, so for all of next year, pretty much, it's only the two that'll be on sale. And this year they get to 50,000. Let's say they double next year to 100,000 units. And then what's going to drive that volume forward? You kind of question that that target now. And remember that at least in the United States, their tax incentives, the reason they're building in South Carolina is probably aligned to productivity and jobs in order to get those tax breaks. And so maybe they had to say that. Maybe they had to say that volume in order to to for that number to make sense, right? Yeah, and that won't come until what second half of 2024 cuz production starts in mid 2024 in South Carolina. So 
the launch date or the unveil to the launch date being a year out is a complete head scratcher to me because to make people wait that long is really, really mind boggling. And also not including the pilot with LIDAR. That's, you need to pay more for that. Well, but that's, that's just everybody's doing that now, right? So. Think about this. Remember when they announced, you know, Luminar announced this Volvo partnership, there was talk of LIDAR being standard as a seatbelt. Well, it's not, at least not yet. Yeah. So then. Yeah. I just see echoes of Volvo being a super, or not Volvo, but Polestar being that super niche brand. Like, because here, here in the, I had two sobs. So let me let me take a step back and say I supported these Swedish car companies, but they 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 are niche. And at eighty five thousand dollars, you you better pull out some heartstrings because it's way too competitive at at eighty five thousand bucks, right? And that in that market segment to to not bring the kitchen sink. So and yeah, it's a year out. So what are they thinking about? So they're going basically against the the Luces, the Rivians, which are in that price range, right? And they're going after the BMW X5, yeah, effectively, right? And 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 in China, this is something that's, I mean, their global sales. You have China being the largest market, but pretty much all their sales are, are outside of China. I, I heard year to date they've only sold like maybe a couple of thousand units. All this time in China? So the two largest markets in the world are their worst markets. The US and China is Polestar's worst markets. Yeah. Full stop. Full stop. And by the way, within the last two years, they've they've had five different CEOs for Polestar China. So, and this is a publicly traded company. So the, the, you know, if you're a shareholder, I don't know if you're frustrated or excited. Both. But- I just wish there's more to it. Because the car is a great car, but again, I think that the pricing was the most talked about issue. But do you, you know, outside of design though, Lay, does it bring anything te- technology or innovation-wise? You know, it looks it looks good, but a- am I bringing anything to the table that maybe the sustainable thing, but the use of uh, yeah materials the um uh, the, the the I mean they use the the five human senses to to talk about the 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 launch right so yeah they're they're they they've taken after Neo on that branding stuff right on that design and branding stuff for sure they've taken after Neo but you know at the end of the day I just because you attach Polestar to Volvo maybe I don't know I can't separate those two. Brands. Yeah, so we we can look forward to the uh, EX ninety and see how that will be compared to the uh, three from Volvo. Yeah, so and um, and how they will differentiate between Volvo EVs and Polestar EVs. I think that'll be an interesting study in marketing and positioning as well. Because obviously Polestar is more sporty or more, but not more premium, more sporty, right? More. Advanced in technology, performance. You know, I don't performance. know. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. There. so Neutron, you 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 um, tweeted about Neutron. So let's talk about that. First of all, Xiaonyo and Neutron or Neutron, I don't know how to say it. They have the same founder, but it is not connected to the electric moped company from China. Two separate entities. They don't share anything. They don't share any capital. It's completely separate entity, separate company. So there's still confusion about that. The The founder of Xiaonyo, the electric moped company, is also the founder of Neutron. But he has nothing to do with Xiaonyo, except for the fact that he's still a major shareholder of that company. So what did you think of the Neutron? I think the only highlight, I mean, all those specs... Right, you can find they're competing competing against all the recent launches in terms of range, whatever it does. But I think the the highlight was the smart stacks HMI, which kind of uh, having their own OS and let's say Apple CarPlay uh, at the same time. 
that was a bit interesting. And then that that center screen has the physical buttons on the bottom. Right. I kind of liked it. And the car felt, you know, simple, straightforward, um, clean design. And they've got over twenty thousand uh, reservations. And this is the car is being produced at uh, Da Cheng. Da Cheng is uh, some other company that didn't survive, and now they're utilizing this production asset. <laughs> right. So. Which which we're going to see a lot of if if twenty twenty three pans out and turns into a global recession and a slowdown in the China market, we're going to see a lot of these Chinese EV companies that you and I have probably talked about in direct messages and private conversations, but not really brought up in in China EVs and more podcast. We'll probably hear about them kind of going away yeah, <laughs> and then asset sales in China or factory sales in China, IP sales. And you, yeah. And Neutron's um, tactic is also offering both a BV and a E-Rev version priced right below or right around 300,000 renminbi, which is trying to undercut, let's say the L8, L7, ES7, G9, which are priced much more above the 300K price point. Right. So that's their, I think, their kind of positioning. I think their market is going to be the Xiaomi market, the Jidu auto market, you know, those consumers. So maybe this head start that they get will allow them to, to grab share prior to the launch of the Xiaomi car and the Jidu Ro- uh, Robo One car. Yeah. So. Hey, Lay, it is uh, 3.50, so let's open the room up to any questions, comments, anything you guys want to talk about. We're open, and we'll continue to talk about some of the things that I wanted to bring up. We had already talked about BYD's struggles continue in Australia, although they have their foot on the accelerator still in other parts. Faraday Future... The shares were down 25% this week. Half a dollar or something? Yeah, they're at all-time <laughs> lows, and they're down 93% since the beginning of the year with a current valuation of $166 million and trading at $0.51. Cents. That's because there were some bar- borrowers that converted their promissory notes into shares of the company. And so... The saga continues with Faraday Future, a $166 million company that has not generated any revenue, but is supposed to be launching a vehicle by the end of this year or production of the vehicle, FF91, by the end of this year. Not likely. And uh, Neo, Li Bin, said that he wants oh, yeah. Neo to be a, the fifth largest global automaker by 2030, right? And and in the U.S. market, planned by the uh, end of 2025. Yeah. So just to give everyone a sense, the current top five in the world are Toyota, and we're talking about vehicle sales. If we were talking revenue, I think it'd be a little bit different. But Toyota, Volkswagen Group, Hyundai, GM, and Stellantis. And Stellantis last year sold almost or just over 6 million cars. So if Neo wants to become the fifth largest global automaker, it needs to sell over. In, if, if it was today, they would need to sell over 6 million cars. So you got to dream big. That's all I can say. And they're not they're not going to get there by only selling premium vehicles, right? No, no, we know about the Alps that are coming. Yeah. So just to give everyone an understanding, Porsche sells around three hundred thousand cars a year, and they're the the fourth most valuable car company in the world. Three hundred thousand, and they're hitting records when they hit three hundred thousand because before that they were selling under three hundred thousand cars. So um, the premium automakers sell a a huge number less than the Toyotas and Volkswagen groups. But if Neo, and this is where we need to read the fine print. Are we talking revenue? Or are we talking vehicle sales? Because maybe in 2030, Neo has a ton, 25, 30% of their revenues come from services, you know? So car volumes, sales volume 
or um, vehicle sales volume is probably not that important by 2030, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, that's, it's difficult to fathom that they'll be selling 6 million <laughs> yeah. EVs in, in 2030. And it looks like the, the last thing I wanted to just bring up is that to, to repeat what Lee Bin said, 2023 is going to be a struggle for Europe for energy. And it's likely to affect car production in, in the country or in the region because I think it was S&P said that we could be taking out a million units of volume, production volume per quarter due to energy ish- issues. So it's a huge wild card, as you know, we've said, said it before. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much all I had. There's, there's the good, good and the bad, right? I mean, the market is looking promising uh, volume-wise, but all these things, factors being played out. Yeah, and I want to speak to my European friends a bit more closely because I want to understand and know how they feel about this. You know, this, this huge transaction, this huge move, because effectively... Volkswagen Group has uh, invested five billion dollars in an American car company, an American technology company, and a Chinese technology company. Well, they they now own parts of Goshen. They they they've invested into Horizon Robotics, right? So two big plays in two big sectors. Yeah. So they they are doing they're writing the checks in order to be relevant. Yes. <laughs> But now their vehicles need to catch up to the rest of of, of China's vehicles. Trinity, baby. <laughs> well, Artemis or whatever. You know, I think those are they're probably betting on those. Oh man. The 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 one thing that concerns me for Volkswagen Group is that I don't know how much experience they have working with startups, right? So let's take the adject let's take the the Chinese adjective out. Let's not call it a Chinese AI chip startup. Let's just call it a startup. Working with startups is makes you want to pull your hair out, dude, because um there's a lot of fits and starts. So are they prepared for that? And then add that layer of is Cariad China really going to be pushing software update updates to the rest of the world? You know, could 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 we see that being driven by by China? I think they'll play a role in, in some of the development, but not necessarily, you know, as you said, but primarily within China. They need to play a leading role, though, Lei. You know, they need to play a leading role. I, I that's what that's how I feel. But yeah, so so that's it for me. Unless anyone has any. Um, Questions or comments, we can pull you up. If not, Lay, you have anything else? Okay, so housekeeping. Uh, our latest Max episode dropped has dropped. Um, it's our conversation with uh, Dr. Jim Pei, founder and CEO of uh, Septon, the LiDAR Silicon Valley-based LiDAR company that's supplying LiDARs to GM's uh, Ultra Cruise program starting next year. So make sure to t- listen to that. It's, it's good to compare and contrast what? Omer, yeah, K- Kilov says with what Dr. Junpei yeah, says, totally a different technology route and, and approach. Because Dr. Junpei emphasized the bridge, the ADAS bridge, and how they're focused on fulfilling that space and that opportunity with their product. And they're not using a MEMS technology; they're using an MMT, which is derived from audio, not visual. So, and um, and the other uh, housekeeping is I will be at the Paris Motor Show. Bonjour, man. Bonjour. Yeah, so I will be over there uh, starting uh, later this weekend or early part of next week. I'll, I'll come back on Tuesday, so we'll get to talk about some of the China factor, BYD, Aura, Ceres are the three Chinese brands exhibiting in Paris. And I had said a while ago that I would be seeing these Chinese EV ink brands outside China. Yeah. And it looks like that 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 will happen. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of excited because it's right, it's any time that, that I'm seeing these Chinese brands, the Chinese are coming, is it's exciting. 
for the good and the bad. <laughs> it ain't gonna be as fun as Detroit Auto Show, man. So. <laughs> It's, it's going to be a totally different feel. I'm sure of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I th- I'm anxious. I'm I'm anxious to hear what your thoughts on size and kind of energy is. So I've never. Have you been to the Paris? Yes. Last Auto time was 2016. Okay. Is it pretty pretty exciting? Is it pretty laid back? Eh, it's it's a, it's both. I mean, it's 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 you know, it's Paris, right? It's, it's French. It's How far from Paris proper? Is it in the burbs or is it right in the city? Well, it's not in the burbs, but it's a little bit farther away from uh, the city. The um, What's the place called? The uh, the Versailles. It, it, uh, my French is really bad. So <laughs> it's like an exhibition ground uh, for where the auto show is held. So like Shunyi? Like that. Kind of like that. So Yeah, okay. All right. Well, cool, man. I, I guess I will be texting you from Paris, direct DMing you from Paris. But uh, we do plan on launching our next Max episode really quickly. So um, and, and please also, look out for that Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, and also hopefully we'll try to get uh, Doctor Yukai. I'm I'm kind of possibly uh, get him on the pod. So. Dr. Yukai is the founder and CEO of Horizon Robotics, by the way. Yeah, I think I think it, it, this is good, I, I guess, uh, uh, time, uh, period in time now with this huge deal that, you know, um, kind of talk about their perspective on things. Thanks again, everyone, for joining. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And we will speak with you all next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. Okay. Bye. All right. Thank you again. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at SinoAutoInsight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lay on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-7-7. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, We'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more. 